All right, welcome back to Vernacular Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. And we're back. And we're by ourselves this time. We've had guests for the past three episodes. Wow. I Most recently, really Josh and Maureen Goldman, hosts of the podcast, the best pop culture podcast that was a fun episode. that's out there. It really was. And before that, we had Margaret Perry and Laura Ride to talk to us about food on separate episodes. So you should go back yeah, and listen those to those good episodes. if you have not yet. Don't miss those. But Sally, today, what are we talking about? We are talking about the environment. Yes. And what does the environment have to do with being human and living a truly human life? Right. So we're continuing our series that is a topical examination of things like money or the environment or food or pop culture. Pop culture. And what it has to do with being human. So today we're going to examine the environment. Okay. So low hanging fruit. What does the environment have to do with being human? Well, we live here. Right. The environment is our home. So kind of on a very practical and pretty selfish note we want to sustain it and care for it for our own sake for my sake right so this is not a what we would call a deontological argument this is not arguing that we have some sort of a duty to take care of it this is just just like you would clean your home so that you don't live amongst the dust bunnies is it amongst or among i don't know uh i'm not sure but i'm just laughing because that's pretty much my bar too it's like oh there's a lot of dust (laughs) we're living among or amongst the dust i'm just like a reactionary house cleaner right right so like at a certain point you're just like i can't do this anymore (laughs) this is pretty bad the dust bunny my children are are living in squalor (laughs) (laughs) she's exaggerating it's not that bad feels like it no not at all but anyways yeah we want a beautiful place to live in not only in our homes but in the world and we want one that fosters flourishing human lives right so in the same way that we clean our house vacuum the dust bunnies paint our walls fix our broken gutters we should care about taking care of the world so that we have a pleasant home in which to live yeah whether that means cleaning rivers or composting or reforesting or or reducing your carbon footprint yes right and it's not to say that we all need to sell our cars and commit to walking or biking everywhere but it is to say that we can take some concrete measures to yeah evaluate our that. lives and see what we can do to support the environment right and we'll get get to a, to that just a little bit later in this conversation about some practical things that we can all do right now so the first one we said it's not a duty-led argument it is just that since we live here we should take care of our home But the second one, I think, is more of a deontological argument that we have a duty to take care of the world. And this is twofold, I think. One, let's talk about the future. By that, I mean you and I are are parents, of course, and we want to leave a nice home for our children. So in this way, in the same way that, you know, if we were passing on this house to our children after we died, we would want to make sure that it was in good condition when we did that. And so similarly, we'll pass on the world, the the environment to our children when we die. We want to make sure that it is ready to sustain the lives that they want to lead. So I think in that sense, just like we have a, a, an obligation to take care of our children, we have a, an obligation to take care of the world in which they will grow up. Yeah. About 10 episodes ago in episode 83, we talked about immortality and we talked about the link between the generations, that we have a duty to the generation before us and the generation after us to leave the, and no, we didn't talk about this, but in this case, we, the duty is to leave the environment as good, if not better than it was during our lifetime. Right. Can you think of any objections to this view? Well, I think whenever we talk about duties, people are going to ask, where did those duties come from? Right. Yeah, who is imposing this duty to future generations? And I think we just have to admit that this idea of a duty to leave a good world for future generations, it evolves from 
a what we what we might call a teleological understanding of the world. Teleology basically referring to the end or the purpose of something. So the world is here for some purpose, for some reason that's greater than our own use of it. And if that's the case, then we have an obligation bound to that teleology of the world to leave the environment in good shape for future generations. And so if that isn't the case, if we are if we're starting from with the wrong premise or or if you just disagree, then that duty would kind of evaporate and right. it would be up to personal preference. Really. Right. I think if you deny any sort of teleological view of the world, then that duty argument is mu- at least much weaker. Yeah. I'm having trouble seeing how how you could make it effectively at all. Okay. So if we have a duty to the future generations, I think – Secondly, we would we could also talk about a duty to fellow human beings who live with us right now right. in our common home. Yep. And I think that duty especially falls on the shoulders of middle and upper class Americans who have the resources and the means to protect, preserve, and improve the environment. I think we're not expecting people who can hardly sustain their own family to make elaborate sacrifices to protect the environment right that falls on the shoulders of those who are more privileged right i mean and and, uh, one example of that might be that someone who doesn't have much money might not even own a car they might live in an urban setting and they walk or bike everywhere tesla or right so i mean you can't you you can't reduce your car emissions if you don't have a car right but if you do have a car you can make conscious choices that do that and perhaps you should i think we should at least evaluate the choices that we make in doing that so what about the objection here, Sally, that, you know, the, the same objection we made before, that if we do not admit a teleological view of the world, then we don't have a duty to take care of the environment vis-a-vis our fellow human beings right now. Yeah, so I think it's probably the same as what we just talked about. But I think maybe there's a stronger claim for it um, if we just talk about reciprocity. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what it is. So what I would say is, it's true that the duty argument, the deontological argument, holds less water if you don't have a teleological understanding of the world. And I apologize for using these like, big words; they're they're tough to they're they're tongue twisters. I have to be careful saying them. But what I what I think is the case is that we can more easily make an argument that we should take care of the world on behalf of our fellow human beings right now because of reciprocity. Um, uh, you know, the, the sort of self-interested altruism, um, as uh, I think Darwin formulated. Yeah, it's like so, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Right. Kind of. Right. So, yeah, you know, if I if I decide to drive a Prius, get a Tesla, take my bike to work, um, you know, that's a, that's a sacrifice that I'm making. But hopefully others will take cues from that as well and make that and we leave the all world. Benefit. Right. Leave the world a better place. The opposite, of course, of this is the tragedy of the commons where – everyone thinks, well, no one else is going to make sacrifices, so why would I be the only one making sacrifices? Because if I decide to make those sacrifices, just my atomistic decision is not going to make an actual dent in the problem, so I might as well just not make the sacrifices at all. And that's the opposite problem. That's what we want to avoid. Yeah, so again, that could be solved if you do believe that there's a duty. Um, And if you don't, then I guess left with that choice whether you feel like you want to be altruistic or not right okay and then third a third duty would be to creation itself to the living animals and plants that share our home too and as with the previous duty we 
as human beings are actually the highest form of life on earth and so we have the means and resources to protect preserve and improve the environment for living animals and plants right now of course that assumes a certain view of humanity that we espouse and have openly talked about on the podcast but perhaps not everyone does right sure humans are the highest form of life we are superior to animals and plants right but I think even if you don't think that, then you would then you would just see then we would go back to the second duty, because just like human beings, fellow human beings who share our common home, we would even if you if you think that animals and plants are on par with human beings, then they're your fellow cohabitators. Yeah, in some in some cases, I think viewing the world through that lens makes the duty even stronger because the world is filled with many more organisms than it is human beings, or simply human beings. And if we have an obligation to all of them, because all of them are to some degree equal in inherent dignity, then we have a greater obligation to them right now. Yeah, and actually, um, St. Francis, he at least referred to them in in kind of equal terms by calling them sister and brother. At least, at the very least, he didn't see them as objects to be just used or exploited or just consumed and thrown away. But he thought that um, we should approach the environment as a common good that we share with other right. animals and that we should care for it and be generous and be responsible for our actions yeah well i think i think that's interesting too because he didn't view them as mere objects but he also didn't view them as deities and that's something that is is fairly common in classical literature that you see references to celestial bodies like the sun and the moon as deities and saint francis saint francis walked a line between those two things they're not mere objects that are not worthy of our respect but they're also not gods of course they're right. sister moon and brother son i think in yeah the, or in the not even famous mother hymn. or father right yeah not mother son or father moon or mother earth even but sister and brother because in his again going back to that word teleology in in saint francis's teleology of the world the world is all created by god and so all of creation is in some sense on equal footing as uh, creatures now of course um, also in his teleology human beings are at the apex of that and share a unique position uh, among themselves as made in the image of God. But I think still th- that's an important thing, an important insight from Christian theology that the environment is to be respected and cared for and cultivated as human beings are called to do that. What would be the objection to this duty? Well, I think we already touched on it a little bit, but the the idea that humans are at the apex of life on earth in some way is... I think objectionable in some ways. I mean, do, does it make sense to talk about a hierarchy of life? Do you think? I think sometimes it can get complicated, or you get get into the kind of the weeds of like, is a a bug more important than a dog? Or right. you know, you're trying to yeah. Like, can we kill a spider? But have we a can't hierarchy kill a dog. of of every single living creature. I think that human life is sacred in a way that animal life is not. And there could come a time when I'm not thinking of an example at the moment, but you could think of an example where the two are both at, at stake and right. you have to choose the human person Certainly. over the animal. So I think that is important. Um, and when we're talking about human rights um, in a world where we want to give rights to everything, right. I think that human rights should trump animal, animal rights. rights and plant rights. But I think that if you get too specific about it, then it gets you kind of missed the point right so i think i think that that's all good i would also respond to an objection about the hierarchy of life by saying look it doesn't really matter if there is or is not an actual hierarchy of inherent dignity of 
the created order because humans are at the top of the food chain. Like we have no... Yeah, at least we have more power. Right. And more resources. Right. And means. Right. So if you admit that that is the case, and I think you have to, I don't yeah. think there's a good argument otherwise, uh, then you have to admit that we ha- we should be leading the way in this obligation to care for the earth and for fellow species. Yeah. I mean, I can't help but think of this Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. It's true. And yeah, absolutely. Speaking of swashing spiders. <laughs> okay. So what does this mean for us practically? We've talked about the selfish argument. We've talked right. about the duty arguments. What does this mean for us practically? Well, I think selfish, maybe self-interest, self-interest would be a better. Right. Yeah. Um, practically, I think no more plastic straws. <laughs> I think that's the, the number one thing. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, Sally and I have had this conversation long, uh, sort of ongoing. I have this reflexive reaction to every cause that is like in vogue, you know, like just like the the cause of the day. Like if you're if you are a uh, person worthy of respect, then you must be shunning plastic straws. And um, you know, two months ago, nobody gave a second thought to all of the plastic straws that they consumed from their Starbucks Frappuccino, Venti, you know, coconut milk, half-calf, gluten-free stuff. But like, <laughs> right, so that doesn't seem like it should be the first go-to. Yeah, yeah when sorry, I'm, about... I'm going off on a tangent about, like I'm going <laughs> off on a rant about plastic straws. Um, you know, so maybe so... we can get to plastic straws, but what is the first thing we should think about? Okay, so I think the first thing, so and I think we can get to all these practical steps, you know, recycling, whatever. Um, but I think the first thing is in this understanding of the world that it is there to be enjoyed and to be lived in, um, and for us to find satisfaction in, I think perhaps f- lived more immediately. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that <laughs> reminds me of a previous vernacular episode. Uh, yeah, I think enjoy the environment. So we should take practical steps to care for it. But in order to f- in order to one fulfill uh, the sort of intended purpose of the environment, and in order to cultivate an idea of it in our own minds that makes us want to care for it we should spend more time in it yeah appreciating it right so stop playing Fortnite and get out and go on a hike go on a walk go on a bike ride spend some time camping visit america's national parks or if you're not in america go to a a, you know beautiful uh, national park in your own country if they have them or find some beautiful wild scenic places to go and spend time in nature and in the environment appreciating all that it has to offer because it's incredible and it has so much to offer you don't need to um you know, go all Sierra Club and spend all of your time outdoors. But, you, you know, I encourage everyone to spend some time in the great outdoors. And we've talked about this before, but there are tangible, measurable, uh, peer-reviewed psychological benefits, psychological <laughs> benefits to spending time outside and in particular unplugging from yeah. your phones while you spend time outside. But all of these things are good and I think will encourage us to think about the environment in healthy ways and help us want to care for it. Yeah. So if we start with that mindset, then practically that could mean recycling. It could mean composting. This is for us. We try to recycle. We compost. We try to choose to reuse or recycle something over simply throwing it away. Right. Um, and if we're if we want to throw something away, then we think about oh maybe can we could donate that. Um, we try to buy reusable items over single use items. So grocery bags or water bottles or glass jars, cloth diapers. And finally, we try to minimize, just minimize the stuff that we own and the purchases of more stuff. Do we need to always be accumulating things? Yeah. And can we live with less? And I try to remind myself of the goodness of 
that every time I'm changing a cloth diaper, that's you know <laughs> that's number we two. We don't only because use cloth diapers, but yeah, they are they are hard sometimes. Uh, it is not a pleasant thing to change a number two cloth diaper when you'd rather just throw that away. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> But yeah, I think making you know conscious decisions, and um, we are by no means perfect on this. We have lots of progress to make. Yes. Uh, you know, I used to be the kind of person who didn't even recycle, and I'm uh, not proud to admit that, but that's just what it was. I yeah, and was... we just started composting after our move to Texas. Yeah, actually, the city of Austin is great. They they provide you with a compost bin. They collect your compost, so you don't. We don't have a compost pile in our backyard. We put it in a compost bin, and it's collected. And the city of Austin has presumably somewhere like <laughs> I'm picturing this like giant compost pile from all the <laughs> residents of Austin. I don't know, but uh, they make it very easy for us to compost, yeah, which has been great. Awesome. So so we feel very um, responsible doing that, even even though it's really kind of made easy for us. It hasn't been a sacrifice for us to do that. Um, but yeah, we're you know I'm not. We are not trying to come across as if we have all this figured out. No, we certainly if don't. If you have ideas, please let us know. Yeah. What are some other things that we can do to preserve, protect, improve our environment? Yeah. And, you know, I think maybe in closing, we can talk a little bit about uh, what Pope Francis wrote in Laudato Si, which is one of his papal encyclicals he wrote uh, a couple years ago now. And in that, he decried what he called a throwaway culture. And the immediate context of that remark when he first made it was talking about the environment and how we throw away everything and don't try to reuse and recycle and compost and things like that. Instead, it all just goes in the garbage and we don't have a good conception of saving and economizing. Um, but as he explored that theme a little bit, he extended that to other things. So not only do we treat the environment as a means for us and not an end, but we that that attitude is also reflective of our general attitude towards each other that we often treat other people as objects to be as used objects to be and then used. discarded right human relationships people we don't know people we just kind of see in the grocery store aisle right or um and i think all resources can also be included in that along with the environment just like throwing away food right when there's people starving yep and yeah just being wasteful in general and and not thinking of ways that we can conserve or reuse i think the most important is probably our treatment of people as you just mentioned yeah absolutely and you know i i uh i try not to go through self checkout lines when i can because the uh the cashiers are in the store to help you make your purchases and it's always nice when we can you can go through a line and uh, you know, not be listening to headphones, but actually take your headphones out or, and ask them how their day is going or how they're doing and engage in dialogue with them. I also, this is one of the things I hate about LinkedIn is that it's like such, it places such a premium on networking. And the whole idea behind networking, I think is so toxic because it's really all about building your own personal network so that you can utilize connections, right. people what can as you do connections. for me and then I just move on. Right. There's, I think there's no better modern example of like treating people as means, not ends than the idea of networking yeah. um, well, to think advance your career. To some extent, a lot of social media is like that because you just scroll through your feed and it's just kind of, you're in the recipient mode. That's true. And it's just, you don't really think of people necessarily as real people. That's definitely true. But this also calls to mind C.S. Lewis's quote about how you've never never met a mere mortal. Yes. I I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I'm not perfect in this at all. But you just forget to think about the people that you interact with as human beings, as real human beings with, with amazing stories and amazing abilities. And they're not just mere mortals. It's not just another body taking up space. Right. Absolutely. 
And when we forget that, we are partaking of the throwaway culture of which our lack of care for the environment is a part. Yeah. And I think we're being less than fully human. I think that wraps up our thoughts on the environment. We would love to hear from listeners, though. So if you have thoughts, please let us know. Reach out. We're on Twitter and Instagram at VernacularPod. We're also, of course, on email at Zach and Sally at VernacularPodcast.com. So reach out. Let us know what you think. Let us know what we missed. Let us know how we can better care for the environment. Uh, let us know how you care for the environment so we can share that with our listeners on the next episode or through social media. Thanks so much for listening to Vernacular Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Have a great week. Bye.